Faith makes all the difference in the world, does it not? Without faith, we cannot please God. And, and I think the problem, one of the problems is that so often we think we have faith, but we're not really practicing faith. Um, one, one thing that comes to my mind is worry. How many of you tend to worry? Don't raise your hand. I saw a couple of hands go up very, very quickly. Uh, but we, we do tend to worry. We, we think about circumstances and we worry about what's going to happen. And in a sense, we are communicating to God, God, I don't think you've got this. I don't think you can handle this situation. And Jesus, three times in, in Matthew chapter 6, said, Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. We need to not worry, but instead, trust God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Another problem we sometimes have a tendency to have is bitterness. Somebody's done something against us. Somebody has offended us in some way. A lot of times they don't even know they've done it. But we are bitter. We hold a grudge against them. And it, it can have negative effects on us and the people around us. And that is a, a common problem in the world today. But there's another problem that I think is becoming more and more significant. And that is resistance to authority. Resistance to authority. We see it in the nation all around us, probably the world, but we obviously see it in the nation when, when it comes to to leaders, when it comes to policemen, when it comes to others, uh, there is a resistance to authority. We didn't used to have as much of that. Used to be a scenario where, in regard to to resistance to God and His Word, we would say, I would say, that this is what the Bible says, and people would say, Oh, then I need to listen. But such is not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, we have some significant problems, and resistance to authority is is one of the biggest. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. The last three weeks we looked at Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We talked about selflessness. We need to be selfless, not selfish. We agree with that, theoretically. But when the rubber meets the road so often, we want what we want when we want it. A second thing is, is sacrifice. Not only do we deny ourselves, but we take up our cross. And the cross obviously has to do with sacrifice. Now, a lot of people wear jewelry that is cross. And hopefully it's to remind them of what Jesus did for us. But what Jesus did is he suffered and he died. And we're supposed to be willing to suffer as well. We're supposed to be willing to sacrifice in order to live for God and to serve him. And the th third is, is surrender. Follow me is what Jesus said. That means that we follow his teachings. It means that we follow his example. It means that we surrender to the authority of God and his word. Now, I mean, most of us in, in this church would agree with that. That we are supposed to surrender to the authority of God and his word. But sometimes we don't really do it. We, we don't really focus on what God wants us to do and then seek to do it. We don't live lives of trust and obedience, but we need to do so. I think that we can look, first of all, at the example of Jesus. And we've talked about this before. When he, in Luke chapter 2, was in the temple at 12 years old, 
Uh, he was in the temple and the parents left to go back to Nazareth. They found out that he wasn't with them, went back. After three days they found him in the temple asking questions of the, the chief priests and scribes and talking to them and so on. And his parents, Mary, got on him and, and said, what in the world's going on? Not exactly those same words. But he said, what did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Jesus was always about his father's business. He respected God and he submitted himself. He surrendered to the authority of God. He wanted to do his father's business. At the end of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, we talked about this last week. When he was about to die on the cross, he did not relish that idea, humanly speaking. And he said, Lord, if there's any other way, if it's possible, let this cup take be passed away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was surrendered to God's will. And in the, in the middle, this is what he said in John 8, 29. Now today is August the 29th. And I didn't realize that, that this is the anniversary of Katrina as well. Hurricane Ida is hitting New Orleans today. We need to be praying for them. But I, I like to think about Scripture. Uh, I think that goes with, with Deuteronomy chapter 6. We were talking about that in Sunday School Life Group this morning, uh, that, that we need to have ways to remind ourselves of Scripture. Well, 829, August 29th, John 829, Jesus said this, I always do those things that please the Father. I think that what I'm going to do, I just changed these batteries about a week ago. Should I keep on speaking, Chuck, or should I just go with this? All right. We are now with the pulpit. Rebecca, text me if you cannot hear me online. What were we talking about? 829, August 29th, John 829. I always do those things that please the Father. Isn't that what we should do? Always be surrendered to His will, to what pleases Him. Romans 829. I like it when good verses have the same um, things like 829. Romans 829, right after it says, we know that all things work together for good, it goes on to say, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be what? conformed to the image of his son. In other words, we as Christians, we need to make sure that we're like Jesus Christ. And what was Jesus Christ like? He was surrendered to the authority of the Father. He always did those things that pleased the Father. And so as, as we think about res, our response to authority, we need to make sure that we are like Jesus Christ and we follow his example. So number one, the example of Jesus, I think that is, is pretty clear in Scripture. Number two, the exhortation of Peter, of, excuse me, of Paul. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. And we're just going to sort of talk through this for just a moment. It has to do with receptivity to God's authority, and it has to do with receptivity to the authorities that God has placed in our lives, God-ordained authorities. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Did you notice that? That it, there is no authority except from God. 
and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So they're God-ordained authorities. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. In other words, God is, number one, the ultimate authority, and we need to listen to him. We need to be focused on his word and on his will. But number two, God brings authorities into our lives. And we need to listen to them as well because God has ordained those authority. Let's first of all talk about receptivity to God's authority. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. So God gives us his word in order to teach us, in order to help us to stop doing the wrong that we're doing and start doing the right he wants us to do. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be instructed in every good work so that we can please him, so that we can do his will. And our response needs to be positive to God's authority, to his word, and to his will. Why? Number one, God created me. God created you. Uh, Think about it for just a minute. Uh, the, the the story is is told of the potter and the clay in in, in the Bible and and the the potter made the clay. Does the clay say to the potter, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? No, the potter has authority over the clay and molds that clay in any way he wants it. In a similar way, God created us, and we need to be responsive and receptive to what He has to say because He created us. Isn't it amazing what God has done in regard to creation? Uh, when, you, when you think about it, uh, the, the way that he has created the, the heavens and the earth and people and animals and the sea and atoms and stars and everything else, it's amazing what he has done. And we need to respond in a positive way because he has created us. We also need to respond in a positive way because God redeemed us through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Think about that for a minute. We were destined to die and spend eternity as separated from God in hell, but God sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so we could go to heaven if we believe. That's great love, is it not? And as we think about God's love for us, it should make us want to live for him. In fact, my mind goes to, to a, a verse that, that, that probably uh, many of you know. It's, it's 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. When we think about what God has done for us, the fact that that he created us, the fact that he redeemed us, if we know Jesus Christ as Savior, the fact that he provides for us, the fact that he protects us, the fact that he is always with us, it should make us want 
to respect his authority and to follow him. It should make us want to say, Lord, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to be under your authority. Ultimately, we're under God's authority whether we want to be or not, though. Did you know that? So often people resist God's authority and and God laughs at them. Have you ever thought about that? That God looks down at us and sometimes laughs? Psalm 2 says this. Why do the nations rage? The people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords. That is definitely not responding in a positive way to God's authority. Instead of being receptive to God's authority, they are very resistant to God's authority. And that's what we see in America today, unfortunately. So many are resistant to God's authority. Verse 4, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his great displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings or presidents or vice presidents or congressmen or senators. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Is it not clear that God is the authority, whether we want him to be or not? And the smart thing for us to do is to be wise and to respond in a positive way to his authority. But it's not just a a matter of responding to God's authority, his word and his will, but it's a matter of responding as, as in regard to receptivity to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. God ordained authorities. If I'm under his authority, I will be under the authority of those he ordains as authorities. We know Ephesians 6, 4, children do what? Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Parents are the authority of children. Uh, In Titus chapter 2 and verse number 4, it talks about seeing that wives obey their husbands. In in Romans chapter 13, we've already read it. It talks about uh, being submissive to the governing authorities, to our policemen, to our, our politicians, and so on. It has to do with submitting ourselves to spiritual authority. In Hebrews chapter 13, it talks about following Uh, Not only the example, but also following the instruction of your spiritual authority. Uh, We need to respond in a positive way to authority, whether they be parents or teachers or coaches or bosses or government. Now, most of these are seen in the New Testament. Uh, In fact, these verses that I read are New Testament verses. They have to do with responding in a positive way to the authority of God. What are the elements of receptivity Uh, that we need to keep in mind. As we think about the example of Jesus and the exhortation of Paul, there are five things. The first two that I thought of were A and E. So I thought to myself, maybe I can come up with A-E-I-O-U. And so that's what I did. A, attitude. Isn't that important? 
Our attitude needs to be one of receptivity to the authority of God. We've already talked about why. Because of the great things he's done for us. We need to fear him and serve him in truth with all his heart. What does it mean to fear him? It's not just to be afraid of him. But instead it's to be in awe of him. To respect him. And if we respect him, we're going to respect his authority as well. Our attitude needs to be one not of resistance like we saw in Psalm 2, but instead one of receptivity, one of saying to God, God, I love you and I appreciate all you've done for me and I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I think it's obvious that many people in America today do not have a good attitude when it comes to authority. We need to make sure that we in the church do have a good attitude, that we are responding well to God and to his authority, to the authority he set up because of the fact uh, that we love him and we appreciate what he's done for us. So number one is attitude. Number two is exceptions. Did you know there are exceptions to that? In other words, let's say that that um, Ronnie and I got together and I said, hey, Ronnie, sure is good to see you. Um, Got something good planned today. We're going to go rob a bank. Uh, Ronnie probably would say, are, are you serious? Uh, what, what, what's going on? He, he would probably not obey me. He would not do what I said because it's clear in Scripture, thou shalt not kill. Now, there's some things that are not extremely clear in Scripture. They're, black, they're not black and white. They're, they're, they're gray issue or, or questionable issues. And I think we need to... to err on the side of listening to the authorities that God has given to us. But when it's black and white in Scripture, then what we need to do is we need to determine that we're going to obey God rather than obey men. In Acts chapter 4, the apostles were preaching the gospel. They were talking about the fact that Jesus died, was buried, rose again. People were getting saved and the scribes and Pharisees did not like it. In fact, what they did is they had they had some of the apostles arrested. Uh, they, they, they brought them in and they, they told them, you should not be doing this. You should not be preaching about Jesus Christ. They didn't like what was going on. And they told them, the governing authority said, don't do it. How did the apostles respond? In Acts chapter 4, in verse 19, this is what they said. Acts chapter 4. And verse number 19, Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Is it right to listen to God more than other people? Or is it right to listen to other people more than God? When it's black and white, when it's clear, there's an exception to that authority issue. Because our ultimate authority is God, right? So we need to make sure that we are obeying him when government tells us to do otherwise or somebody else tells us to do otherwise. Down the road, if I'm preaching the word and they say, we're going to put you in jail because you're preaching this particular part of the word of God, you know what I need to do? Obey God rather than man, rather than government. Now, I think that we need to be careful because we might use that as an excuse to be, to be not receptive to the authorities that God has allowed us to have. In fact, in Romans chapter 13, he, made, uh, he, he told us that we need to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. We need to render to taxes 
render taxes to those who, to whom taxes are due. Now, how many of you like paying taxes? Any of you like paying taxes? I don't see anybody that likes paying taxes. Is that what we're supposed to do according to God's word? Certainly yes. We don't respond in a negative way to the authority of government in, pay, in regard to paying taxes because we don't like it. We would only respond in a negative way because it's clear in God's word that it's not supposed to be done or it is supposed to be done. We, we need to obey God rather than man. There are not very many exceptions, but there are some exceptions. Number one is attitude, A. Number two is exceptions. There are times that we have to choose to obey God rather than man. I, interpretation. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15 says, Study or be diligent to show yourself approved to God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, as we think about the study of Scripture, we need to make sure that we are interpreting, interpreting it in a correct way. Because if we're not interpreting it in a correct way, uh, then we might do something that, that would uh, not be in accord with God's word or God's will. There are some who would say that the Old Testament has no authority. That you look at the Old Testament, it doesn't matter. It's just the New Testament. But I, I believe that as you look at, at, at God's word, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That does not mean that we are still under the sacrificial law. In the Old Testament, what did they do? They, they took lambs, they took other animals, they sacrificed them at the temple, and, and that was looking forward to the time when Jesus would die on the cross. Well, has Jesus died on the cross? So that thing they were looking forward to has taken place. There's no need for us as Christians to sacrifice animals anymore. So if we read a command in Scripture that in the Old Testament says sacrifice an animal, we don't need to do that. That's rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe also that we are not responsible to keep the ceremonial law. I know that when, when Peter uh, was about to be introduced some, to, to some Gentiles, Jesus let down a sheet from heaven with some animals in it, and some of the animals were unclean, and, and the vision said to him, rise and eat. Uh, in, in that particular situation, Peter was focused on keeping the ceremonial law but God communicated to him, hey, that's not the most important thing. You need to make sure that you obey me. And he went and spent time with the Gentiles, which according to the, the legalistic times of those days, they weren't supposed to do. And they trusted Christ as Savior, these Gentiles did. So there are times we're not responsible to keep the ceremonial law. Are we responsible to keep the moral law? I think that Scripture has, Old Testament has principles that apply to us. And, and quite often they're repeated in the New Testament. And I think that sometimes we need to, to give more emphasis to them, rightly dividing the word of truth. It, it disturbs me a little bit when people talk about the ten sub suggestions rather than the ten commandments. Because as you think about it, uh, some people think, well, you don't really have to keep those things because they're in the Old Testament. But there, there are a couple of things about that. Number one... The Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. So for that reason, we need to keep them, if for nothing else. Also, the Ten Commandments are a reflection of loving God and loving one's neighbor. When you think about it, the first four commandments have to do with how we love God. The next six commandments have to do with how we love one another. 
And what did Jesus say in the New Testament when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. So the Ten Commandments help us to know how we need to love God and how we need to love our neighbor. In reality, the New Testament is actually more challenging in some ways than the Old Testament. Maybe not in regard to remembering all the different laws, because there are a lot of different laws in the Old Testament. But in regard to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 especially, you have heard that it has been said such and such, but I say to you. In other words, you've heard that it has been said you should not commit murder, but I say if you have it in your heart, that's the same thing. You have heard that it has been said you shouldn't commit adultery, but if you have it in your heart, then it's the same thing. Uh, You have heard that you're supposed to hate your enemies and love your friends, but in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, it talks about the fact that we need to love our enemies. That's That's a challenge. That's a hard thing to do. The only way that we can do that is if the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. But in reality, the New Testament is more challenging than the Old Testament. It's not a matter of a legalistic keeping of the do's and don'ts of the law, but a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which brings about change from the inside out. In other words, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, as we abide in Christ, as as we trust him as our Savior, we're a new creation. He helps us to walk in newness of life. The Holy Spirit as, as we allow him to control us, helps us to have love and joy and peace. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Love is the fulfilling of the law. And we need to recognize that we are responsible to keep the moral law. We're responsible to be obedient to God and to his word. Romans chapter 13 is where we started. I read verses 1 through I think I read verse 1 through 7. I'd like to read verses 8, 9, and 10 now. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. In other words, if we're going to be doing what we ought to be doing in regard to loving God and loving one another, then we are going to be obeying the commandments. We're going to be doing what God's word has to say as we rightly divide the word of truth. I remember years ago when I was in college, and it was years ago, uh, we, we had to read a book by Bishop John T. Robinson. It was called Honest to God. We read the book, and then one of the things he said in the book was this. And I totally disagreed with it then. I totally disagree, disagree with it now. He basically said if committing adultery is the loving thing to you to do, that's what you need to do. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? God's word is clear that, that, that we're not supposed to do that. In the Old Testament and New Testament. Love is the fulfilling of the law. We need to make sure that we interpret God's word correctly and that number four, A-E-I-O, we obey God's word as well. That's the next thing, obedience. Attitude, exceptions, interpretation, obedience to God's word. Joshua 1, 7 and 8 
Joshua 1 is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. They faced a problem. They trusted God. God gave them victory. But one of the principles there was that they needed to meditate in the Word of God day and night and observe to all that was written in it. Are we supposed to do the same thing? We certainly are. To meditate, to spend time in God's Word, and to do it all. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. And when we do that, according to Joshua 1, 7 and 8, then we will prosper and then we will have good success. It's important for us to determine that we are going to obey. Not selective obedience, but total obedience as we rightly divide the word of truth. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20 deals with this as well. It's the Great Commission. It basically says we need to make disciples by going, sharing the gospel, by baptizing Um, by helping people become incorporated into the church and part of the body of Christ, and then by, Jesus said this, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have taught you, whatever I have commanded you. Well, when when you look at what Jesus commanded us in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he said a lot of different things. And some of the things that he said probably would not be politically correct Today, if they're not politically correct, do we still need to obey him? Do we still need to do what Jesus says? I think most of us would agree that we do. There are a lot of people in the world outside the church that do not think so. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in a lot of churches that do not think so. In fact, some churches have policies that are clearly contrary to Scripture. Are they being positive toward the authority of God's word? No, they're certainly not. They're basically saying, well, that was, that was man. Man wrote that. Um, we don't have to listen to what, what that has to say. But I believe that God inspired scripture and that we have a responsibility to obey 100%. Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A-E-I-O-U, attitude, exceptions, interpretation, obedience. There's one more, and I had to change it a little bit. Ultimate happiness. Ultimate happiness. Do you all want to be happy? Probably most of you want to be happy. How, How are you happy? Are you happy by doing anything you want to do? I would say no. In fact... The, the author of Ecclesiastes, we studied it some over the summer. He engaged in all forms of pleasure. And his conclusion was vanity of vanities. All is vanity. In other words, it was empty. It was meaningless. And the reality is that when we go, go against God's word, just do what we want to do, then it, we're really not going to be fulfilled. It's going to be bad for us. It's going to be bad for other people as well. But if we follow God's word, if we're receptive to his authority, that's when we are going to experience ultimate happiness. Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Blessed, what does that mean? The Hebrew word means happy, fortunate, to be envied. We are truly happy when we follow God's word. And why do we follow his word? 
because we trust him. Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. The song has it like this. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's some other verses that go along with it. I'm just going to read two of them. One is Proverbs 29:18. Proverbs 29, verse number 18. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Another translation is where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. The, the issue there is when we have revelation, when we have the word of God, and we keep the word of God, we do the word of God, that is when we are going to be happy. James chapter 1 and verse number 25. James chapter 1 and verse number 25 talks about the happiness that we have when we obey. I can get there, I really can. Have you ever had a hard time turning in your Bible? James 1.25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but what? A doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. The context is obedience. A couple verses before, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When we hear the word of God and we do it, that's when we're blessed. That's when we are happy. That's when we're like the wise man versus the foolish man who when there was a storm, he built his house on a rock instead of building it on the sand. The difference between the two, both of them heard the word of God. The wise man did the word of God. We are blessed. We're successful. We're prosperous when we determine that we're going to obey God's word. So when it comes to God's authority, we need to consider the example of Jesus. He definitely was surrendered to God's will and to God's authority. We need to consider the exhortation of Paul. Uh, he clearly communicated that we need to be positively receptive to not only the authority of God, but also the authorities that God has placed into our lives. And then as we consider the elements of receptivity, we need to make sure our attitude is what it ought to be, that we are indeed Glad to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and, and give in to him because of all that he has done for us. We need to think about the exceptions. There are times when it's black and white and we need to obey God rather than man. We need to be thinking about interpretation, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that can sometimes be a challenge. Sometimes we don't understand things. But there are so many things that are clear in scripture that we are resistant to. We, we definitely need to lean toward doing whatever God's word says. And if we have a question, then we can study it. We can, we can ask our Sunday school teacher or pastor or whatever. Then obedience. We need to determine that we're going to obey God's word and it leads to ultimate happiness. Because when we follow God's word, when we trust him and obey him, that's when we are going to be the happiest. It is a big problem today, resistance to authority. And my hope is that those who hear this in the church and online, that we will resolve, that we will determine that by God's grace, instead of being resistant to God's authority and the authority of those that God has placed as authorities in our lives, we'll be receptive. 
that we will want to do what God wants us to do and what God has ordained because we love him, because we trust him, because he has blessed us so much. When it says fear the Lord in, in, in various portions of scripture, but 1 Samuel 12, 24, it means that we respect him. Do we respect God? And are we responding in a positive way to his authority and to the authorities, the God-ordained authorities that he has placed in our past? Let's pray together. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Sometimes it's hard to understand, but we pray that you'll give us understanding. And I pray, Lord, that we might be committed to doing what your word says, rightly dividing the word of truth and then obeying it 100%. Lord, I I pray that as we do that, as individuals, as families, as a church, that you will bless, not just for the sake of blessing, but so that we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.